House Ironhurts was dead. And not in a vague, metaphorical sense. They'd been hanged by their necks from the ramparts of their own castle, men, women, and children. Over the castle walls, the anvil of House Ironhurts lowered, and the miner's axe of the rebel general Traft raised. This was all unbeknownst to the town smith, as he drove his wagon through the foothills of the Black Mountains towards what he believed was still his home. The smoke he saw over the horizon did not trouble him, quite the opposite, for today was, to his knowledge, a feast day. Thus, the smoke made his mouth water, until he came over the last hill and saw his village raised to the ground and swarming with orcs. That's when things suddenly got very dark. The smith hopped down to flee, but a faceless figure in a black hooded cloak blocked his way. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter 4, Monsters. Episode 1. We rejoin our party beside the underground lake where we left them. They all looked rather distraught over the admittedly wicked man who had just died on the end of Nelson's sword. Nelson, dude, I can't believe you just killed a guy. Me, me, you killed him. Your sword, bro. Your tackle. You tripped him. Neither of you meant to kill him. Well, he's still fucking dead. That it upsets you is a sign of your humanity. Something to be proud of in this day and age. I think this is yours, Nelson. Regan handed Nelson his waterlogged scabbard. Maybe next time don't throw it down a fucking cave. And you'll want to give your sword a flick. Nelson looked down at his still bloody sword, as though he had never seen it before. Flick your wrist and get some of the blood off your sword, then wipe the rest off. Else that shit'll dry up and get stuck next time you need it. Huh? Give it here. She flicked the drying blood off the sword and wiped it on her sleeve. And girly, I want to talk to you before I go. Talk to me? How long you known me? I don't know, like a, a week? I'm looking you in the eye, and I ain't tried to kill you or fuck you, so yeah, safe bet I want to talk to you. Regan pulled a wary Jen behind some rocks so that the two could speak privately. That was the second time in as many days that your boy toy could have gotten you killed. He killed that guy that was going to kill us, sort of, and, and he made those other guys fight the other night. He was stupid and got lucky. Both of those fights could have gone real bad real fast. Billy does things his way, and somehow it always seems to work out. No. It doesn't. If it did, you'd be back whatever the fuck, talking about your vagina and not here getting life advice from a thieving, murdering fugitive. It's not his fault we're here. You're smarter than him, but he makes all the decisions. Our relationship is none, none of my business. Trust me, I wish it wasn't, but it damn well is now. I mean, I guess I think a man's supposed to be in charge, you know? And it's kind of nice to get taken care of. When I was a little girl, there were these two cats that would always come around a house. It was just me, my mom, and my sister then. Ma could barely feed us, but she always left some scraps for us to give to the cats. She wanted us to learn charity or compassion or some shit. 
We named them Maggie and Katie. I like Katie better. She always eat out of your hand, let you pet her. Maggie never do that shit. She'd take food once in a while. She wouldn't pretend to be a friend for it. Rather go hungry, I guess. When Ma died, Katie followed me to the orphanage. She pawed at my window every night for had to be three weeks. The window that was bolted shut. Stupid fucking cat. Then one night she didn't come. I was on garbage duty the next morning. They told me a stray cat died trying to get into the pantry and I had to take it out. I knew it was Katie before I even saw her. Brought her out back where they kept the trash. And I cried over that stupid, fucking, helpless cat. While I was out there, I seen Maggie walk by with a pigeon in her mouth. We locked eyes, and fuck me if the damn thing didn't nod at me. That was the last time I ever cried. Elsewhere in the cave, Brennan, Nia, and Yellowin had their own private conversation regarding the imminent split of the party. The talk had recently turned to Brennan's recurring dreams and Nia's academic opinion thereof. My killer has died as well, but has not yet joined me. The king has loved the enemy. And what was the third? The vessel must crack, but it shall not break. That last one sounds vaguely familiar. As though I read it in a footnote once and forgot it the next day. I'll see if I can do some research in the city. <laughs> I doubt they'll have many books wherever that thief is sending us. Wait for a messenger to come for five dawns. If none comes by the sixth, take the children to the elders and trust no one on the way. And Nia, look after the boys. No harm will come to them, General. I swear on my house. No harm. You mean apart from what they've already endured? I'll give them the best counsel I can. Go with Galadin, General. After the relevant farewells were bid, Brennan found himself scaling a steep egress from the cave on the heels of the so-called Thief Queen and actual Princess Aerona Regan, as much as he hated those facts. And why would these guys mutiny? Hard to say. Redmore's garrison is a vicious, selfish, and stupid lot. I'm sure you've said the same about me. Regan emerged from the hole with her ubiquitous bedroll tied to her foot. She saw six horses in Redmoor regalia tied to stakes and grazing. I never accused you of being stupid. Brennan also pulled himself out of the cave and untied one of the recently killed men's horses. Regan did the same, but of course could not let this transpire without comment. So, you're fine with stealing horses when you need one? These horses were the property of traitors. They're no forfeit to the crown, that's the law. So, armed robbery then. Meanwhile, the rest of the party had returned to where they originally entered the cave. Yiluin had heard the clamor of battle outside and so ventured out to scout, but had just now returned to report his findings to the humans. The Mooncrest and Redmore armies slaughtered the Felgear host. So that's a good thing for us? I can't tell anymore. The horses are gone though. I feel the fool for hoping otherwise. It's about a day's walk back to the city. Everyone instinctively looked to Billy, waiting for some obscene complaint to be muttered. Huh? Oh, yeah, that sucks. Some hours later, 
Brennan and Regan were forced to stop and water their horses by a creek. It was overdue. Those boys need to toughen up or they're dead. Aye, they do. But it's still more tragedy than they deserve. What fucking tragedy? If they didn't kill that guy, he'd have killed them. Anyone killed is a tragedy. If you're still sore about Bowen... Of course I am. Is it not the goddamn point? Then please, spare me the goody-goody hand-wringing. I expect better from a fucking general. There are monsters in this world, Brennan. I've met plenty. I'm sure you have too. Men so twisted and evil that the world is better off without them. Aye, is that not a tragedy? Regan responded by spurring her horse into a gallop. It took them a few more hours to reach lands officially held by Gunther Guernatal. That is, you recall Brennan's liege lord and Regan's grandfather. As they neared the first Guernatal outpost of their journey, everything was ostensibly in order. From a distance, Brennan could make out two Guernatal officers' uniforms. But given Brennan's belief that there had been a mutiny, he was cautious. Do they need to know we're coming? No, but I need to know what's happening with Redmore's men. Are they men you can believe? Don't know yet. I can see their faces. Understand something, Brennan. If this little homecoming goes to shit, I'm out. I won't seek vengeance against you if it's not your fault, but you won't see me again. A lifetime of wealth ain't that much if you die tomorrow. Brennan trotted his horse forward to get a better look. I know them. Forgot their names, but I know them by sight. Good men. Horse shit, no such thing. I've put my life in their hands before. And you don't know their names? The benefit of an army bound by honor. By now, Brennan and Regan had reached shouting distance of the officers. Although Brennan could not recall their names, they clearly knew their generals. Hail, General. Welcome home. Thank you, Commander. Good to be home. Who's this? New Squire. Uh, they gave you a... Girl, Squire? Why do you got a silver piece and want your cock sucked? <clears throat> Has anything happened with Redmore's garrison? Happened, sir? No. They're vicious, selfish, and stupid as ever. <laughs> Shall we return to the castle? Everyone is awaiting news of your mission. You might recall, as Brennan did, that his mission was meant to be secret. What mission? What the fuck's going on, Brennan? I'm sorry, sir. They have my wife. Redmore Crossbowman leapt from hiding and shot the horses from under Brennan and Regan. They jumped clear, but were surrounded and severely outnumbered. But Regan, ever resourceful when it came to trickery and murder, had managed to produce a small clay pot from some unseen pocket, which she now held over her head. Shoot me! And everyone dies. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. It is performed by Rhiannon Angel, Garrett Armin, Dan Dobransky, Lily Drexler, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Paul Notice, Frank Querez, and Julie Reed. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Production sound engineering is done by Gary O'Keefe. 
with dialogue editing, post-production mixing, and sound design by Sandra Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 